UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. By the Numbers podcast, this is Phil Callahan along with... And we're going to sift through the debris, uh, the remnants of the game, where Michigan lost by a score of 62-39 to to their bitter rival... Ohio State. Well, Clint, what thoughts do you have on the game? Well, I, I think we can let's just let's operate under the assumption that I have all of the same four-letter responses that, that most people in Mason Blue have still and had on Saturday. So, um, the fact that we're going to get right into the uh, the analytics here, please don't think that uh, you know. All of that has been duly noted and, and, and gone through, and I feel like I'm still processing that. That said, um, my thoughts were uh, a couple things. There were some things that were very, very similar to issues that we've seen throughout the rest of the season, and we'll get into some of the specifics. And there were some things that were totally and utterly surprising, of course. Um, so it was... It's still very, very curious to me. Um, got all of the uh, same uh, S&P Plus stuff broken down the way that I normally do. But I really have to go back and look at the specifics once I have uh, kind of readied myself to go back and look at that again. I can kind of prepare myself to really look at what I need to look at because uh, I know what I know what happened uh, based on the numbers, how or why. Um, is screaming at me inside my head, and I, I got to get back in. So, um, the the biggest thing, the most glaring thing, especially from the SP Plus standpoint, um, is offensively the efficiency wasn't there. Um, there. There's a lot of a lot of media attention laid out on on how Michigan does. A lot of focus on the offense. Uh, even in the immediate aftermath uh, on social media, a lot of conversation about how that offense wasn't ready to go to, to match firepower with what we saw from our guys. And I, I, I think there should be a word of caution there. We weren't efficient and we didn't play well. Um, Wolverines didn't. However, um, when you look at the lack of efficiency, uh, especially in the run game, um, that that's where it always started for Michigan all season. Even in the big win, they they were able to run the ball when they wanted to. They were able to throw the ball sometimes uh, as a changeup, and that didn't happen. And, and that's why I really, really am fascinated to get in there and figure out why why weren't they able to run the ball. Way that I felt they should. Uh, the second thing, of course, the bigger surprise is defensively. Uh, why were the Buckeyes able to basically do anything that they wanted to do? Um, most most informed uh, people that I've spoken with pick up pick it up right away. It was a lack of pressure uh, on Haskins. The Haskins specifically is very black and white in 
terms of how he operates from a clean pocket and how he operates if you make him move his feet at all. So the fact that we didn't play a finger on the quarterback is, is the biggest surprise for me of almost anything Michigan football-related uh, in, in recent memory. Uh, John Brown's defense is built on uh, solving problems with aggression and making things difficult for the quarterback. And if he throws, if he makes a perfect throw to the guy in his face or, or on the move or under duress, you're going to tip your cap. And for whatever reason, um, that did not happen. And again, hey, I need to get back to the how and why uh, to be able to really draw this into context just for myself, much less for, for the other people that I've been talking to. Well, I think uh, the thing that that struck me from the from the lack of pressure front, and and you know I, I think you make a good point of, you know I kind of use the analogy of people wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as far as criticizing the offense is, okay everybody had certain expectations heading into this game, and I think the expectations perhaps were overblown. I mean, you know years of frustration playing Ohio State. Uh, Michigan fans were definitely looking for, you know, a historic beatdown. Unfortunately, it went the other way. But, but you know, heading in, um, fans had a, had a big expectation. Now, I'll tell you, Michigan offensively did just about what I expected them to do point-wise. The thing that surprised me was, of course, the amount of points they gave up. So when I'm looking at the game, really, if you look at through most of the season... Michigan played about, uh, I guess, a, a, a first half like they usually do, where it, it was a close game, and usually they make halftime adjustments and dominate the third and fourth quarters. So what surprised me wasn't so much that, uh, that Michigan and Ohio State were very close to each other at, at halftime. What really surprised me is how Ohio State came out and just owned the third quarter. And that's really the th- that was the difference in the game. I mean, quarter by quarter, they were they were pretty even. Michigan got outscored seventeen to nothing in that third quarter, and then I would say it really began at the end of the second quarter, where Michigan had those two touchdowns right after one another, jumped right back in the game, and then allowed Ohio State to march right down right before halftime, and that. You know, that was the harbinger of, of what happened in the third quarter. Um, you know, another thing that we saw is that Michigan had a special teams failure with the punt block. And, you know, big games, that'll kill you. So I think people look at the 62 and and kind of overreact. And, you know, I, I've heard some more extreme fans say, well, we need a complete teardown. We, we need to start over from scratch. I don't think that's the case. Um I think when you're up against a rival and they have a lot of talent, I mean, give Ohio State credit. That was their best game of the year. And unfortunately, I think we played one of our worst games of the season. And, uh, again, matched up against their best, against one of our worst, it, it wasn't pretty. I, I think that that is, that is the, the summary um, that is the most true, uh, is that their best and our worst, that's the result. And, and the reason that that gap is so wide is probably – 
still at this point a little bit talent based. That's that's for sure. All of those things play in there. So there, there's some other facets of this game that felt like other um, other games that we've seen in uh, the Harbaugh era and even this season. So there was certainly an element of last year's uh, Penn State game that that this game had a feel to, where uh, Penn State had to buy uh, to prepare for John Brown's defense and the game was on the road and it seemed like they could do basically anything that they wanted. And I think I think there's a there's there's a reason that those things are similar. Um, I think Don Brown's scheme and tendencies are um, if you have enough time to game plan and teach your players uh, through whatever means or however you know a bye week or, or it's, it's my theory that the Buckeyes were more prepared. I mean, that's, I think that they invested more time throughout this season preparing for Don Brown's defense than Michigan prepared uh, the other way around. I, I, I don't know that. That's how I feel about it. Um, I don't think that that means that Urban Meyer cares about the rivalry more than Jim Harbaugh. You know, that's, that's typically the first leap that you're going to hear in some criticism. But I do think that he prepared better, whether it was more or more often, more frequently, more time spread out throughout the season. If he has coaches that are specifically um, targeting uh, the Michigan game plan throughout the season, I, I don't know. But I, I think that needs to be revisited because it was clear to me that the offensive game plan from Ohio State was uh, – very, very well put together, and I don't think that it happened coming off of the back end of a 52-51 nail-biter over Maryland. I think uh, the, the way that Ohio State has looked the rest of the season, I think is actually evidence that would help support that theory. I think that they spend portions of their game prep time on, on getting ready for Michigan, and Urban Meyer is chewing his fingernails off and looks like his head's going to explode on the sidelines because he knows if he loses a game like he did to Purdue or like he almost did to Maryland or any of the other very ugly games that the Buckeyes have played this year, it's on him because he made the choice to allocate time and resources to getting ready for Michigan. I, that's my theory. I, I have Only my eyeballs are telling me that. I don't know anything else, but um, that's what I think. And, and I think that from that Angle, we need to fight fire with fire, one way or another. You know, um, another point to that, Clint, is that I think um, Urban Meyer knew that you know he can survive a bad loss to Purdue, but a bad loss to Michigan could be fatal, especially with all the other things swirling around him. I mean, that is the thing that I would say that both he and, and Jim Tressel both knew coming into the job. You know, and, and they had the precedent before them of John Cooper, where John Cooper beat almost everybody but Michigan, and it wasn't enough to save his job, and, and he's not revered. Whereas you have Jim Tressel, who, who had a great run against Michigan, and despite some off-the-field off the drama that, that led to him you know, leaving the job, he is revered for beating Michigan consistently. And... Urban Meyer's undefeated uh, versus Michigan at Ohio State, so you know it, it's a it's a calculated risk. 
And uh, again, uh, it's it certainly, I, I think, not only did Ohio State have a better game plan, they looked ready for the moment. They looked, they looked better prepared on offense, on defense. And, you know, the interesting thing for me is when we talk about, uh, again, the offense scored about what I expected them to score. The defense got blown out. And I think the thing that surprised me is when Coach Brown came in, you know, again, he says you solve your problems with aggression. Well, you know, at a fundamental level, football is very basic. You know, you block, you tackle, you throw, you run. And one of the things you do against a man-to-man uh, defense that, that rushes is, you know, you run crossing patterns and you, you try to, uh, you know, free up receivers. And throughout the last two seasons, um, Don Brown has been able to scheme around that. And... Ohio State, you know, just put a, a clinic on on how to rip that defense. And, again, the, the thing that shocked me was um, Harbaugh, you know, praises Don Brown of he'll be on the sideline and he knows exactly what adjustment to make. Michigan came out in the second half, actually made a slight adjustment on defense that almost led to an interception on, uh, you know, and Ohio State instantly adapted and went back to, to beating them. So, it was frustrating and surprising. Um, and again, as somebody who, who likes to watch the you know the moves, kind of the chess match between coaches, it was a very interesting game. As a Michigan fan, it was a very sad and disappointing game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The X's and O's. That's why I said there's, there's a huge part of me that is just itching to get into the details and, and find out. Um, but the emotional side of me, it was a, the maize and blue heart, uh, to use a, uh, a Bob Duke for reference. Um, just not ready for it yet, but I, I will. I will do it, and it'll, it'll yield some some positive information at least for, for you and I to talk about. Uh, but I, I'm just not ready to dig back into that spot. Um, the, the other similarity that I was alluding to earlier is something that I think uh, can be remedied, and, and, and Coach Harbaugh is going to have to really tackle this. Uh, also, the, the team doesn't play the same on the road as they do at home. And that's true of, of most college teams. Um, all football teams, they play differently. But the difference, I think, is more stark for Michigan than the other elite teams in our conference and, and in, in the NCAA. Uh, there's something about the way that we prepare and, and, and something about the way that we uh, uh, handle road games uh, that is not good enough. We, we, I think that that probably is another asset that, that the coaching staff, uh, training staff, administrative staff, and the players and the leaders uh, in the locker room uh, are going to have to address. Um, I, I, again, this is just uh, you know looking for patterns and, and looking for uh, some, some qualitative things on, on the field. Uh, that game also felt a lot like the Notre Dame game. Not only that the, those are the only two losses from this year, but the the opponent, Notre Dame and Ohio State, both come out right away and jump on Michigan, right? Like on your head immediately. And then right before halftime, there's a kind of a, a spark of life. Okay, you just, just got to make some adjustments and, and get back into it. You know, both times there's the kickoff return in week one, 
There's the fumble kick return for Ohio State uh, right before the halftime. Very similar feeling going into half. Like, all right, it didn't play well, but as long as you've got all of those uh, those problems figured out, um, you know, they can they can get right back into it and, and see where we're at in the fourth quarter. And that just doesn't happen. Um, so the fact that those two losses are so similar in structure as far as the, the overall narrative of the game, it's not a coincidence. Um, there was a lot of time to prepare for Don Brown's defense leading into those games. And I, I think that it's a tendency issue. I think that it's uh, there's a little bit of an algorithm there that offenses that are playing chess and not checkers because they've had extra time to prepare and they've got the counter and the counter to the counter in their pocket. Um, I think we've seen now that uh, solve, solve your problems with aggression is is a mantra that is going to serve Michigan's defense well. And it's always going to be, Don Brown's going to be who he is and this defense is going to be who they are. And that's good. We want that. However, there's there's got to be some evolution here uh, on the defensive side of the ball where we can throw change-ups without totally veering off of, of our game plan, right? So so I, I, I don't think that we need a, a teardown and a rebuild by any stretch of the imagination on either side of the ball, but uh, there's, there's there needs to be a good hard look at why um, our tendencies are so ruthlessly exploited when another team has uh, the talent uh, to match up or even have a talent advantage, and why if a team is given an extra amount of time to prepare, uh, they always jump out on us a little bit early, and, and also the home and road uh, splits. Those things can all be tackled by the program, and it's what I'm going to be looking for very, very closely uh, as we get into you know, next season. You know, the problems on the road have been systemic for Michigan. Um, you know, under Rich Rod, under Brady Hoke, and, and they've continued under Harbaugh. And it's it's puzzling for me. I mean, on one hand, you know, the way to play better on the road is to play more often on the road, you know, but the schedules aren't going to allow that. You know, Michigan is always going to have more home games uh, to... You know, and again, you know, from a revenue standpoint, that's that's the way the the model is set up. But it, it is consistent, and um, definitely, you know, there's the there's definitely a comfort level they seem to have at Michigan Stadium. There's an advantage, you know. And again, you always say that home teams have the advantage at home. Um, Michigan does seem to struggle. You know, the game that I thought it was going to be like was the Northwestern game. You know, that Northwestern kind of put Michigan back on their heels and, and then the defense clamped down and they were able to score enough points to pull that one out. I really expected the, the defense to come out and make adjustments in the second half and unfortunately, you know, once they, you know, once they got down, you know, nearly three touchdowns, the Michigan offense is not set up for quick strikes. Um, not that any offense plays great two or three touchdowns down. But the Michigan offense is just not cycled that way this year. So um, what we saw in the fourth quarter is they just traded touchdowns. And there was no way to start chipping away back. Um, you know, there was a point where 
I said, well, you know, you look at the time and you go, theoretically, Michigan could come back, but Ohio State can't put together a five or six minute drive. And they said that one play that went over 80 yards. And I'm like, well, guys, that's one way to save time on the clock, but, you know, it, it's just getting you deeper. And I, and I, and I know it's not on purpose, but I mean, that was the worst possible outcome is, you know, you can't trade touchdowns with, with Michigan's offense. They're just, they're just not set up that way. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. That's, we've been saying it. Uh, it felt that way the, at halftime of, of some of the other wins, where, where we go into halftime and, man, we feel, I feel like Michigan's playing better than the score says. Seems like we should have a bigger lead than this. And, and we've kind of attributed that on this podcast to uh, the, the boxing analogy that we've heard a couple times that Harbaugh and Pep Hamilton like to, to throw body blows especially early in the game through, through the run game and wear down the other defense and that eventually those things are going to break for big plays in, in addition to mixing in some play action and taking some shots down the field through the passing game. Um, that model has worked and worked and worked, but of course you, you don't have time for body blows um, if you let the other team jump out ahead. So that's, the offense and the defense are, are built on this team and, and probably will continue to be in our program. Uh, to be complementary. The offense and the defense uh, have to both be successful in order to play Michigan's game. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for adding that next layer to the program, that, okay, that's, a, that's fine as your foundation. That's proven to be who we are, and we can do that well. However, we we should be able to react when something doesn't go right. When the offense isn't playing well, what are we going to do? When the defense uh, gets out-schemed or has an issue like we've seen uh, at the very beginning of the Notre Dame game and through the entire Ohio State game, how are we going to shift gears on offense and, and be able to go, um, go put points on the board and buy some buys some leniency for the defense, right? So where you're, you're, the play that you highlighted, that jet sweep that went 80 yards for the touchdown, you're right. That was the last That was the last stand. It had to be a stop. We had to get the ball back, and we had to get it quick. We'd have been upset if there was a couple first downs and lost time on the clock, right? The defense was under a do-or-die situation right there at that moment, um, and it had sustained a couple injuries. If the offense was putting up more points than they had, and again, I'm not saying it's not a it's not a blame game to me, but I think the complementary nature of the program has to extend to uh, Plan B. Plan B when one side of the ball didn't didn't come out and do their job, the other side of the ball's got to be able to cover for them somehow, some way, and that's where we're at. That's where we're at, kind of more question marks than answers at this point. Um, I, the last point that I wanted to make on the uh, the home and the road and, and maybe being able to see a little bit leading into whichever bowl game Michigan is selected for, I think a lot of that falls to uh, the leaders in the locker room and the huddle um, and the players on the field. Uh, there's, there's only so much preparation and 
and timing and, and agenda and uh, itinerary that can help ease your way into a, a, a road game. But at some point in the locker room and in the huddle, it's got to be um, kind of a concentrated version of the emotion and um, chip on your shoulder that, that we saw with, with the Michigan State game. You know, I, I'm not an advocate of the way that Devin Bush acted out by any stretch of the imagination. However, that emotion and that fire and turning that into leadership uh, in the huddle and on the field, that is what it takes to win away from Michigan Stadium. And, and they have to find a way to bottle that up, tap into it more consistently on the road. And I think that's, we'll, we'll see it in the bowl game. We'll see if, uh, if we notice the same type of uh, pattern. Or, uh, and certainly as we go into next year, they, the schedule sets up a little bit better next year with those, you know, the three big rivalry games on the road this year or we'll all be at home next year. Uh, but you're still going to have to go to uh, Happy Valley. And I think we also have to go to uh, Madison. So you got to win those games on the road to accomplish what Michigan should want to accomplish next year. Uh, they should be playing to win every game, and they should be right in the national title hunt next year. No excuses. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGlobal.com By the Numbers podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.